Feels so good. Out here in Mountain, it's a real good morning. I bet these birds got them probably hey. close to a hundred times. Tater, rocking season, boys. What is up, guys? This is Strut South Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse. That right there was a new intro, and I decided I wanted to change it up. And I've been really had that had that intro kind of in the brain for quite some time. Just uh, never really got around to doing it and making it, but I've had some time now here that I was able to do that. So, hope you guys like that intro. Now, to our current listeners, you guys know the deal. If you haven't done so already, go catch us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we're all it's all Strut South TV. Instagram maybe it's I think it's Strut underscore South underscore TV, but. You can just Google it and you'll find us now. If you're new to the show, welcome. And we hope that you enjoy the show and we hope that you become a weekly or everyday listener. Um, And if you would, feel free. Please take the time and give us a rating and a review on the respective platform that you're listening to us on right now. We're on every podcasting platform that I could think of. I mean... uh, but if you're listening right now on any app, then just Google it, um, and you can find us on any other platform if you would prefer to do that. So, But those ratings and those reviews, they really, really help us um, get our name out there more, and more people see it, and it just helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate it when you guys do that. So, Now, let's get into this episode. We do this one with whitetail legacy and these two dudes man cody and ryan they are some jam up dudes um they're really just some rednecks that don't live in the south pretty much i mean they got the same mindset and the same drive i guess you could say as we do um they just want to get out there have a good time and uh kill deer kill turkeys whatever they want to do they want to be able to get out there enjoy the time with friends and family and leave a legacy that's their that's their motto for their gig they got going so hope you guys enjoy and let's get into the show all right everybody welcome back to the show we've got two awesome guys on the show today they're with a guy oh my god what am i trying to say (laughs) I am already messing up. There were Whitetail Legacy. And we got Ryan Nelson and Cody Jenkins. That is y'all's names, right? That's that's yeah, right. Yeah, crushed okay. it, man. I have a hard nice. time with the names right off the bat. You, okay. you, you killed it. 
because of because in our in our group message that we've been talking that's not the names we have for y'all so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was saying it's kind of hard to decipher who's who um but on this uh, end cody's got the sexy voice and i sound like a 12 year old <laughs> i'm also known as high fence jenkins and ryan is also known as homie nice i'm gonna i'm gonna call i'm gonna just keep calling ryan homie because my yeah. name's ryan yeah and it's just cool. yeah it's just weird <laughs> well, getting my attention way better than yeah. I don't know. Actually, I actually, um, I don't know if I told you this in our messages back and forth. Kind of, that's kind of how this all started, folks. They're listening. We we did a podcast. We're actually doing a twofer. We just got done doing one with these guys, and now they obliged and were gracious enough to come on here and do one with us. So, but. Uh, We've been messaging back and forth, getting all this lined up. But yeah, homie, I don't think I ever told you this, but I think in your messages you said your wife's name was Michelle. Yep. And my wife is my wife's name is Michelle. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I was saying, if you if you've had a rocky year like I did, uh, you're waiting on a message for the long lost sister to be coming. <laughs> She had a long lost sister and she lives in North Carolina that's eight years older than her. And um, we were able to meet over the 4th of July weekend. And I was able to go down, go down there and podcast. And we, we met halfway and I got a podcast with one of our top fans and kind of uh, returned the favor of him supporting us and, you know, spreading the word of our, of our show. So that's one thing we love to do is kind of give back. And that was definitely a high moment for us. Nice, nice. Um, so yeah, y'all got Whitetail Legacy. So y'all um, go in and explain what that is, and then after that, we'll we'll do our uh, rapid fire Q and A. All right, you want to take it? Or you want me to take it? I want you to take it, and I'm just gonna kind of feed in. With All right. Me. Well, uh, what, what's been a year and seven months or so? I think eight months. Eight months. Year and eight months ago. Uh, me and homie, we, uh, really are at the point in our life where at least the last three years, we've really started to be strategically in how we're hunting these bucks, um, in the Midwest here. And we started, we found podcasts as an outlet. I think a lot of people start with like wired to hunt. I told homie, I said, man, you got to check this (laughs) podcast out. And he's like, man, this better not be some like life help stuff or something. You know what I mean? And then yeah. you listen to it and it's like, man, this is good. You know, this is cool. You know, we're just, you know, we're learning um, and we were riding the track inspector truck, you know, and you can't do a lot. You can't be on your phones, but you can listen to the radio. So that's what we did. We listened to the radio and uh, it went from there. And then we, we wanted a podcast where we could find just normal guys that wasn't in the hunting industry. So we we're like, I told him, I said, let's just start one. And we knew nothing. Homie had a MacBook, and uh, it took us it on GarageBand. It took us an hour and a half to figure out how to get both of our voices on there. You know what I mean? It was. Hey, I've I've been doing the podcast for a year too, and I I still don't know how to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so it took us a long time to figure it out, and now it's like we just go through it. But with anything, you grow. So we decided to do this. We started off with just like some local guys that we knew. Then we started with the phone calls and um, talked to a few companies and 
it's been an absolute blast. We get to meet guys like you. Um, but when we first started it, we really didn't know where we wanted to go with it. It was just like something we wanted to do because it wasn't out there. There wasn't like a podcast that didn't reach for celebrities. Yeah. Um, you would have a few randoms on, you know, but we wanted it to be strictly randoms. Like that's all we wanted it to be. We wanted it to be like this guy who's got three one sixties, a couple one fifties, he's in Wisconsin and he's a nobody who never thought he'd be able to come on a podcast and he messaged us and we're like, Oh yeah, come on. You know, it's like right. if if you want to come on and you have a skill that you think is valuable to people, we're like, yeah, we'll get you on. It might you might be a month out because it gets busy on this end, and the further we get in, the more busy we get. But uh, that's what we wanted. We want a podcast for the people, and uh, we've said it a hundred times. Me and Homie are literally nothing special, hunter wise, person wise. If you've seen our setup, our studio, <laughs> what we got going on, it's pretty minute, redneck. I tell Homie everything I have is like half-assed barely making it by that's yeah. how i like to live my life so uh in a roundabout way that describes this podcast it's uh it's two guys who are super passionate about deer hunting wanting to to create something and we named it uh you know whitetail legacy because we are fathers and i was telling homie i said you know if if we do this for five eight whatever how many years we do it you know um two years it felt like we barely we just started this you know what i mean yeah. and we're at a year seven months it feels like we just started this but anyways we wanted to leave something for our kids so when he's 12 13 14 years old he can listen to these podcasts and absorb all this knowledge of his dad talking to people that are super successful way successful than he is and absorb that knowledge if i had that when i was 14 15 the hunter that i would be just be from listening to these podcasts of like simple stuff like access hunting the wind you know thinking about small properties don't be afraid to push the limits sometimes yeah have (laughs) run trail cams that's something that we didn't do you know it's like oh the neighbor said the farmer said there's a giant buck over here so that's why i'm hunting you know what i mean or uh, and that that was that's that's what it transitioned into was we're we're trying to leave a legacy for our kids and for other people because podcasts never go away. I mean, you can host podcasts yeah. forever. So I hope I hope five years from now, you know, a kid might be twelve right now and not really into hunting. He's seventeen. He wants to get in. He finds our podcast and he has all this knowledge to go through. And we also try to make it fun and a little bit entertaining to where it's not as dry as a lot of the other podcasts out there to where people. Or like, well, I'm just I, this almost too much knowledge. You know, we try to tell a story and then relate tactics off that with BS in between of random topics that go off um, unscripted and and fun. So in a long form, that's what that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Are you done? I'm done. Are you done? Hey, I'm done. Hey, I, I I like it. That that makes it easier for me. <laughs> um. Yeah, man. I. I think that's awesome, and uh, I mean, it's really the same principles kind of apply to our podcast. That's kind of what it started. I mean, I've had a few celebrities on here, but the big, the main goal was to just talk to people, just talk to anybody and everybody that wanted to do it, and that's... Yeah, like, yeah, like you mentioned on ours, you know, connections that you make through podcasting is insane, mm-hmm. you know. 
we've talked to people that we've never thought we would have talked to in our lives for a couple hours. You know what I mean? So it's very cool. And then you get, you know, I get the messages from people that we talked to a year ago on the podcast. Like, look at this buck I got, you know, my phone's literally nothing deer hunting and people calling me out is all my phone is pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah that's awesome um so we're actually making a little bit of stress south stress south podcast history here um y'all are actually the first two guests on at the same time whoa um first double team man yeah I like, like that. we have had more than one person on before, but it was usually myself and another Strut South member with a guest. But this is the first time that we've had two guests. So, well, as long as the listeners are ready for mediocreness, <laughs> this would be a solid episode. No, <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be. Of your, of your podcast after this is probably going to go downhill after. <laughs> We spit the rest of them. what we got to spit. <laughs> we'll be like bottom three episodes you ever had. I yeah. guarantee it. <laughs> uh, I doubt that. <laughs> um, so with that said, since there's two of y'all, we're going to do this rapid fire Q&A. And I do these to kind of let people get a feel for who they're listening to. Um, now, these are going to be the most random Q and A's that I've ever this. Because I was hearing a little, a little, a little bit of this because I tune into y'all's y'all show. So on episode forty, I was I was listening in and kind of heard a little bit of the rapid fire. But if you're going that spur of the moment, I'm kind of nervous. Right, now. like I mean, I haven't <laughs> I haven't written anything down. Like I've got I've got me a little notebook here that I try to at least jot a note or two down on every episode, and I've got. Episode 42, Whitetail Legacy, Ryan Nelson, Cody Jenkins. That's all I have right there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a really good start. <laughs> you probably should write, uh, need to delete this at the bottom. <laughs> Scratch this episode, restart. Okay. So, <laughs> so, I guess the best way to do this, both of y'all answer. And uh, whichever one of y'all want to go first, but we'll. Um, I always try to tell people to do, you know, give me a short, quick answer, and then it turns into a lot of conversation. But that's okay if it does. Yeah, All right. I hear a lot of them, but I'm down for the short answers. Okay. <sighs> do you believe in aliens? No. No. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is a. Like the rapid fire Q and A like question, I ask this on every podcast. Favorite biscuit? Butter. Grandma's homemade square biscuit. I don't even know what type it is, but it's super solid. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Favorite ice cream flavor? I'm a vanilla homemade vanilla guy, man. Hard to beat that. Homemade vanilla salt. Um, I like that birthday cake. Yeah, both of those are most prima donna answers. Yeah, <laughs> birthday cake. My uh, God. Uh, what is that? That was three <laughs> questions. 
Yeah. All right. Um. Mm. Superman or Batman? Batman all day. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I like Batman more too, because he doesn't have any special powers. He's just yeah, man. He he's just badass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Batman earned it. Yeah, with money, but he earned it. <laughs> right. All right. Um. Favorite beer beverage, not named Bush Light. Oh, I like Sam Seventy Six. <laughs> oh man, hardcore on that. <laughs> Can I name multiple? <laughs> All of a sudden, I've got Natter Days. I've got Coors Light. I've got Sam Seventy Six. Um, but heavy tonight, obviously. Homie likes some cold. If they're cold, it's yeah. good to go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Nice. No PBR, no PBR, and PBR draft no ain't Guinness. bad. Yeah, no PBR. Nah, I'm out on the Guinness, dude. Yeah. If it's oh. darker than me, I'm out. Other than the PBR and the Guinness, I'm pretty much sold. Awesome. Well, y'all did pretty good there. <laughs> All right. Cody's out here freshening up in the studio. <laughs> Let me see what Hunt's sponsoring this segment. Yeah, yeah I, heard, I heard something there. Yeah. <laughs> Get some Lemon Shield on Yeah. All right. So, you guys are up in Illinois, is that right? Yep. We're in the west central part, um, you know, just a little dash from uh, Peoria. If you want to go to the left and up north just a tick, um, you'll find Galesburg. And then we're just a little bit east from there. I actually live in East Galesburg, and Cody lives in Queen City, so... You're probably not going to find Queen City on the map, so uh, secret you know, top area for sure. Yeah. So if, if you can find Galesburg, um, you pretty much got us nailed down. S- secret, not top secret, but secret top area. It's a secret <laughs> top area because there's one road that grows big deer on it. I don't know how, yeah. but if you're on that road, you're pretty solid. <laughs> if you're nice. in between one road and the other road, north or south, uh, it's better in Pike County. Oof. Guarantee that. You can, uh, well, after this uh, podcast, we'll just, uh, we'll get on all next. You can drop me a pen. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> there might be some public somewhere in here, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, I think that's a good, thanks, homie. That was great. That's a great segue. Um, oh, I thought you were talking what? about that beer crack. That was a pretty good beer crack. <laughs> oh, it was. Hey, it was. Um, no, I mean, we could start off talking about some public land. I know we. We hunt public land down here pretty hard. Um, what's it like up there? So I'll just I'll just get me out of the way so, yeah. so you can kind of go. Um, for me, I have not hunted any public land up here. I've hunted private land that's about 50 minutes away from where I live now. Uh, when I was growing up, it was about 35 minutes away, and then I moved east a little bit, and it kind of got farther away, so... Um, that, that piece has kind of taken the back burner and Cody invited me onto his piece this past year, kind of took precedence and we were chasing a really giant legendary deer. So I didn't hunt down there, even though that was the land that I took my 
my buck on this past year and um the landowner is having some health issues and his wife so the the relationship between hunter and landowner was kind of rocky so Mm. going into last year i thought it was going to be my last year to hunt that piece and um through technology the landowner's been able to keep his health upright and extend our offer to be able to hunt his land again this year and you know still no fees paid just be able to go in there and be respectful you know pick up after yourself and you know follow all the laws and regulations that we have to so um but there's also like 25 people to hunt it yeah there's also a lot of people (laughs) and it's what i mean there's maybe like 100 acres of timber yeah, mm, you yeah, know, so, so and there's 25 people that are have permission on it, so it's pretty much public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's very, very open to access. So it's not like it's very secluded or anything. But um, you know, that's kind of you know, a couple of years ago it might have been an early ball chance on a on a nice buck, but this past year it wasn't very good. So I was able to get in on Cody's lease that we were targeting and. Um, as far as public goes, I've not been on there and this, this year, year might be a different story for me. Yeah. Hmm. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. We, I don't know if we have that big of a problem. I know you said like a hundred acres, 25 people hunting it. Uh, it's, I, I would say it's actually just about the same here. Um, especially for turkeys, uh, our turkey, our turkey land, it gets it gets pounded pretty good. I wouldn't, I don't know, but if it does so much for deer, um, but yeah, the the thing about here is if you can find a walk on access uh, area, well, then I mean it, it's so hard to find. So then, like, well, your own your uncle comes out and then he takes his two boys and then that boy brings a friend and then they think they can go and then they talk to the landowner and they get permission and then their buddies are out there and it just ends up you know 25 people out there 20 25 people just over the course of time from you bringing one person them get permission you know et cetera et cetera um walk on private property around here is pretty much gone I mean, yeah. the links that me and homie go to to hunt the piece that we do for I would we didn't we don't hunt it for free by any means, no. but to not pay a lease, but to do work and I mean spend gas money and stuff doing doing that and you know food plots and stuff like that. So which I view as better to do work than pay an upfront uh, upfront cost. Yeah. So I would rather do the work personally. Me too. Then, yeah, the work's know, fun for us. The so. guy just sit there and be like, well, you paid me all this money, but I don't want you to work for it. Yeah. I'd rather, you know, do the work than pay the money. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, mm, I feel like this, it's a little harder down here. I mean, I think we were talking in the messenger about differences up from here and there, you know, like with the way leasing property is and stuff like that. It's, a lot more expensive up there but it's just down here it's so hard to get permission for private land like it's it's almost like if you're a hunter down here you get shunned for it i don't know it's really tough yeah i knocked uh four houses last was it, was it saturday yeah i got four no's 
Yeah. Um, back to back to back to back. And uh, these are pieces that no one hunts. Guaranteed no one hunts. Um, pieces that I know the guy leases other pieces for hunting, so they're okay with hunting. Um, one guy, one, he hunted, he hunts it one day a year during first shotgun and shoots the first deer he sees, but he didn't want anybody else on it. Mm. And I'm talking small pieces, like 40 acres max out of the four, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But for me, public, I hunt public, um, when I don't have the right wind, um, I got a crazy hair at my ass and want to go way deep and try something mm-hmm. dumb. Uh, I hunted, I hunted at public solely, um, a few years ago, probably six or seven and got shunned for it. Like people were like, well, what are you doing on public? You know, I mean, there's no deer out there and, uh, why don't you get a private piece? And now with the honey public on YouTube and a lot of the content creators promoting public lands, uh, it's the cool thing to do. So now hunting public has more of a better rep than private ground. When seven, eight years ago, it was a, um, it wasn't the premium thing to do. You know what I mean? It was, you hunt private or you're not going to shoot anything, which I proved that wrong. I've been successful on public. Um, but private's better to me. The public now is very populated. Um, I hunt a draw only area four years ago. I hunted it, um, easy to get in last year. Homie tried to get in and didn't get a tag. So, uh, that just shows you what four years of, uh, social media on public grounds can do just in our region where place where you could have took 25 more hunters four years ago now is having to limit the amount of tags that people get. So, Mm. but we run cams on public every year, whether we get tags for it or or not in that area. Um, You still got to put your time. We still put our times in. So when you get that tag, you can be successful. So we put cams out, leave them all year on public and go pull them later in the year. And, it, you know, if the batteries died in November, the batteries died in November. <laughs> right. But you have all of October and part of November data for the next year. And that's something that we really key on is that annual data, even on public land. It's still the same. Um, those deer are used to getting bumped, um, used to people. It's a big fishing area where I hunt on public a lot. So they see people all the time, all summer out there fishing. You know what I mean? So yeah. they're – people jog out there they ride bikes out there they're more used to it so i feel like that annual data is still vital on public even even as public i mean we use annual data on public even more i believe um and have been successful on that but that's my public land extent i use it as a backup to i got a south wind and it's hot yeah and i don't want to ruin my private i go into public and if i bump a deer i didn't really hurt anything you know what i mean so yeah um see i think that's that's probably one of the tougher things i think for you guys like anybody and anybody hunting in the midwest in iowa missouri illinois kansas i think public land there for especially for whitetails is a lot bigger draw than public land in georgia um oh yeah i don't i don't think we really have a big issue with uh public land hunting for deer down here as 
as much as y'all do. I guess I got some horror stories, man. (laughs) I got some horror stories in public, and I still go. So yeah, just get used to it. I mean, I've had my stand took down with a note on it. Um, and another person stand hung there from Michigan. I, any, I hung this tree last four years or something, you know? Oh like, yeah. I remember, my you, spot. Uh, and then, I remember uh, you was talking about that in one of y'all's episodes. Yeah. And then I had, uh, a guy last season, I'm out there late, late season. <clears> and, uh, I had a guy take a 250 yard shot at a doe with a shotgun. Oof. And, uh, I'm, what's the doe like 60 yards from me? Yeah, the doe's like 60 yards <laughs> from me. I'm in bright orange. I'm tree. guessing he didn't. The guy can I'm see I'm guessing me. he didn't kill the doe. The guy, can, <laughs> yeah, the guy can see me. The guy can see me playing his day. I'm waving at him like, hey. And he just keeps like creeping up, takes a shot at her, doesn't even go look to see if he got blood, mm. you know, and then just walks away. And I get down out of the tree at evening and go over there and make sure there's no blood. You know what I mean? Like, well, this guy shot a doe. I'm going to get the, you know, fill the tag at least because I'm no need to let it go to waste. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad up here. They open up the, that last doe season for us. They open it up all the public for for this free range Mm. and it's savage. Yeah. (laughs) You shouldn't even be out there to be honest with you. It's, it's really bad, but, um, I was, I was on some really good buck sign and, uh, I mean, I had does within shooting range every night I was out there, and I was just waiting for that buck to creep up. Had a really had a lot of snow on the ground. I was hunting stand of beans. The conditions were primo to shoot a late season public land buck because our public our our ground late season <clears throat> just dries up. Just we don't hold the bedding and the ag for late season, so you have to go to different areas. Mm. Um. Well, you're talking about ag there. Um, I know up there in the Midwest, like y'all have a lot of CRP, and I mean, do y'all do y'all kind of fool with CRP at all? Or <laughs> uh, if a, if a property has CRP, it has big deer on it. That's why yeah. I tell everybody. I mean, it's just straight up deer love that. I, it, I mean, CRP is kind of like a broad term for tall grass there's a crp there's a crp program which is actually what crp is and that's like you burn it every three years no trees in it it's more for like the pheasant habitat Mm -hmm. right uh quail pheasant um and we have a lot of that around my area and i think that's why we have a lot of that and a lot of strip mines old strip mines that are overgrown i think i think that's why we have the deer that we have is because there's really good habitat for them where they can hold a lot of deer and then we have the ag to support you know all the food that they need but yeah we hunt a piece that's how many acres do you think Boonertown has in timber 12 12 i mean that's high i think 12 (laughs) is high i mean it's a 40 acre piece and it's all crp pretty much i think maybe eight in timber maybe Mm. with that creek draw and everything uh, we burnt 14 acres of CRP this fall or this spring. I'm sorry, excuse me. And uh, first time ever burning a bunch of CRP like that. It was a fun experience. We learned a lot. Um, fun. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work, but uh, part of part of hunting the property. Um, but that's fun to me. You know, learning, improving the wildlife. You look at that grass now. A lot of the trees are dead in it. Um, 
really thick, really good fawning habitat, really good habitat for the birds to nest in. So, so as far as the CRP is the property that I grew up hunting, which is about 260 acres. And like we already said before, it's maybe a hundred acres of timber. Um, there's no CRP on, on the property at all. No. And, you know, when Cody says, when I first met Cody, um, and he says, well, just had my 12th buck pass through in the morning in the rut and come through the grass. I'm like, you know, when the hell are you talking about this grass? Like, I, I've never even seen this grass before because I just hadn't had exposure to it. It was all just, you know, a couple of ridges, a couple of draws, and just big, you know, bean or cornfield. So I hadn't had really any exposure to that type of hunting. And um, this year I finally was able to experience that. And um, it's definitely a game changer. Mm. I would, yeah, I would, uh, I'd say our equivalent to CRP, which is basically like y'all said, a field where the grass is grown high. I, I think the equivalent to that down here would be a cutover. And, um, and I don't know if y'all, ever have any cutovers up there um is that where someone comes yeah they just basically basically they cut all the mature trees off and then there's nothing left yeah that's something that's not done a lot up here there's logging's done sometimes but i feel like logging makes a property better uh to be honest with you it might take a year to get it back to but when you get when you get that undergrowth that's something that like you, we, when we podcast with you, you know, you're talking about how thick it is. And when I hear that, I think big bucks, you know, that's where they like to be. That's where does like to bed. And, uh, that open timber, there's a lot of timber around here that needs to be logged, but, uh, the landowners Uh, around here don't hunt. That's what it comes down to. They're farmers, you know? So, and then that that in turns is like, well, I don't want to, go in there and log it because then well this guy's not going to log it or yeah not gonna not gonna want to hunt it for five thousand dollars this year yeah so then well there goes my money mm-hmm. you know, so. yeah so they're they're the people around here uh it's a lot of big farmers they own you know thousands of acres um some some of them own twenty thousand acres you know and then they lease all of it to hunting i don't know any farmer that is a that around here that hunts yeah, (laughs) like legitimately like picks a field and then hunts. There's a few of them, but they're not like diehards, you know? So they're into it. Like, well, I can make another 5,000 bucks or another 10 grand or, you know, so, and even like some of their grandsons hunt, I know. And they're like, well, you can have this 80 acres, but the rest of it I'm leasing, you know what I mean? So, uh, that's, that's our, our trouble up here is, uh, we have a lot of outfitters, nothing against outfitters, man. I'm all for them. If that's, if you want to chase your passion and do that, go for it. Um, but it makes it very challenging for a guy that has two kids and a homie, you know, two kids, wives to say, Hey, here's three, $4,000. Let us hunt this a year. Yeah. You know, it comes to like how much do I want to pay. And when we say we leased a piece, it was 500 bucks is what we paid. So 
I paid five hundred dollars a year to lease an absolute prime piece that everybody looked over for eight years and never even thought about. And then me being the person I am was like, I want to hunt this, and then it ended up being really good. And that's what me and homie started deciding, like, okay, where's the piece that no one's hunting? And then we found Boonertown, which hadn't been hunted for five years. And I asked him five years in a row to hunt it, and he finally let me. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, so Boonertown. Then, then you put a cam up. You put a cam up in like a spot that I was like, "This cam is bullshit. Like, <laughs> it, it's not going to produce anything." And then it was our most fired cam. Yeah, it's it's just a mean homie have a good a good teamwork. He's more timber draw and i'm more like these small creek bottom crp junk pieces yeah. and uh he's more like okay i found the bedding and the in a bigger chunk of timber i'm gonna hunt it hard uh figured out my access and then i like i'll hang it like he said i'll hang a cam and he'll be like yeah this is junk and then we go to his piece and he's like oh you know i got this history and i go in there and i'm like dude you are way too deep but then he's <laughs> successful but in my mind i'm like bro you gotta back out here, you know but He's a lot riskier than I am. I'm way safe. Homie makes fun of me all the time for being, I'm too safe, but it's, I'm successful. Homie's successful the way he is. So you can kill him any way you want. It's just like when you hunt small properties, I have a really. And you know, what's crazy is, I mean, we're on the strut South podcast and me and you still have a yeah. great decipher of, of, the perfect way to kill a buck, but we're talking to a guy in Georgia that, you know, has his way to kill a deer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's talking to us about how we kill him. And every buck I think is just so different. Yeah. In how, and how you exactly get it done. They have their own personalities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, that's one thing I preached. I don't know how many times on our podcast, every property is different every buck is different i feel like they have tendencies but some might be dead set on beans i've seen i've seen mature deer feeding in the brownest deadest beans <laughs> you've ever seen in your life and like deer don't feed in brown beans that's just like something they don't do until late season yeah like in october they're not there i've seen mature 150 class deer feeding in beans that brown cell and then you know i've seen bucks that solely use only one pinch or only bed in grass and then bucks that don't like to bed in grass like to bed in timber you just have to figure out what what the deer are doing in your area and then you have to figure out how to hunt the property i think people focus so much on the bucks and not the property right they're like well i got this buck bed or daylight and i gotta go but you also have a buck that is nocturnal that you're going to completely screw up if you go and hunt this daylight buck. So you have to choose like, is it, is the risk worth the reward and homie being the way he is, he's more risky, which he's been super successful. And I'm more safe as thinking like the big picture would, but homie has a hundred acre timber piece and I have a 20 acre timber piece. Yeah. So, and then I have neighbors that are, insanely high pressure i know a lot of people say that on podcasts like all oh, the neighbors are high pressure we hear that a lot but like yeah my shit is incredibly high pressure like it's my on is your neighbors. yeah you it's like I mean? it's like on the the road of 
gold whitetail. The road's laid with antler ivory. I mean, that's, that's yeah. what it is. I mean, it's it's just like it's like oh, there's a four thousand dollar lease. This guy's leasing this for seven. This guy's and I'm I'm just got this little twenty acre piece over here. Like no one looks at me. No one looks at him over here crushing giants. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then. I finally got find out it's on white tail properties for five days and sell. You, know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you shoot a one ninety and it gets posted on white tail properties five days. Yeah. So, I mean, but uh, <laughs> nothing you can do about. Yeah, that. nothing you can do. But yeah, that's I don't even know why we got start started on that, but we're we're ending here. You know, um, I always like to say, hunt your own hunt. Figure out what your bucks are doing. Listen to podcasts and get ideas, figure it out. But like you might have someone from the South right now that can't relate to anything we're saying. But if if they could realize, okay, my bucks might be doing the same thing as them, but if they're not, that's completely fine. Let's figure out what they're doing. But never like we we talk to people and me and Homer are like, we would never think of trying that. And then we try it and we're like, it's the greatest idea ever. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It, it seems like that's just the dumbest thing ever. And then you do it. You're like, Whoa, that, that worked. You know what I mean? It wasn't that bad. <laughs> like peeing in scrapes, man. Oh yeah. Peeing oh, in yeah. scrapes. Oh. I was, I was, I'm like the most scent, non-scent person. I won't take a, if someone come with me deer hunting and had a bottle of dough piss, I'd be like, bro, go to the truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not into the piss game. And then someone's like, I was peeing all my scrapes. And me and do me and homie do it. You never need to buy another ball or piss. It works. It does I mean, work. We we got one nineties, one seventies, one sixties, just raking raking homie piss out there, just tearing it up. You know yeah. what I mean? So, uh, I got a quick yeah. I got a quick sad slash funny so story about that. Um I was hunting a little bitty piece. Um it's like our great aunt. She um lived in this it was like a subdivision pretty much it was like one of those i don't know what you call it it's like one of those roads those dead end roads that, and there's nothing but houses on it and she lived all the way at the end and she had two acres of property and we turkey hunted it and uh deer hunted it a little bit but the, the good thing about it was she was all the way at the end of the road so there was a huge chunk. I, I think it was like 400 and something acres behind her property. And, uh, we always saw deer. We always saw turkeys. So we decided one year to deer hunt it. And we're literally like, I'm literally sitting in the stand and I got like, I'm 50 yards behind her house and saw some deer, shot some does. And I was like, man, where are the, you know, it took a while for the bucks. We didn't really see many bucks. So I made a scrape and I peed in it, put a camera on it. And my brothers, we, all three of us could hunt it. And they were like, why'd you make a, why'd you pee in it? You know, that ain't going to work. And I'm like, well, I mean, I've heard other people do it. We'll see what happens, you know? And so I put it out and it's been, I don't know, maybe two weeks goes by and, it was during deer season and it was really hot that day. I hunted one property that morning and it was so bad. Like the weather was horrible. It was like eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning. The wind was blowing like 20, 30 miles an hour and it was hot. It was like almost 80 degrees. 
I'm like, man, I'm going to the house. Well, I was going home and I was like, man, I'm going to run over there and I'm going to go down there and grab that camera. I literally had to walk 75 yards into the woods to grab it. So I didn't take a weapon. And as I'm walking down there, I'm, you know, looking, I'm like, all right, I ain't going to spook anything out of here. So we're good. Plus, I, it was gun season, and I wasn't about to take my rifle back there and, you know, blast one with my rifle right there in a subdivision. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm getting up to my camera, and I'm grabbing the camera. I'm taking it down, you know, and I look up. And I, about 100 yards through the woods, I see a deer. I see legs coming through the woods. I'm like, oh, man. And it was a buck. And it was probably, I would say, a hundred and. 40 inch mid 140 150 inch eight pointer and uh didn't have no weapon on me and he was walking he was walking right to that scrape and uh he ended up getting like 10 yards from me i saw him coming and i was like oh man and i got behind a tree and he he walked i mean he got like 10 yards and then he saw me and he just he just kind of bounced off about 50 yards away from me and then turned around and looked and then he just kind of eased back in the woods and i was like "Mm." that was it was heartbreaking yeah i've had that happen before too we're pulling a cam it was during shotgun season didn't take my shotgun and i just wore my work vest (laughs) because the only orange i had go in there and here comes a really nice uh, ten pointer coming through chasing does. I heard him grunting coming in, and I'm just like stand up against the tree, and this doe's like eight yards. This buck's just sniffing her. I'm like, oh my gosh, I couldn't ask for a better. Right by my tree stand too. I'm like, where? What am I doing with my life right now? But that's the way it goes. Yeah. One thing I want to say is like, I know, I know you got a lot of South listeners, and the North gets a bag rep. But mean homie, I mean homie's got a high one fifty class buck. So, uh, some 130s, 140, 120s. I got from 120 to 193, and if a 140s eight comes out, the sucker's dead, bro. Yeah, I'm, I'm still at that point. Yeah, you know, what I mean, some people are like, oh, these these Illinois guys only shoot, you know, 160s or bigger. But I will say this: we have a lot more 140s running around than you guys. Straight up honesty, yeah. like if I don't see a 140s in the season, that that would be the worst season I've ever had oh, in my life. Dude, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. Especially if we hunt as much as we hunt. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not like you're going to get an encounter. Like, you're not going to get a shot, you know, all the time. But, like, to even get an encounter with one, I mean, that's a 140 is a multiple time a year encounter. You yeah, know what I mean? I go into a season expecting maybe one or two at most an encounter with a 140. Yeah. Above. I mean, we don't get, like, we hunt such small properties that, like, if you get an encounter, you have to make it happen. Right. Like, then. On, on that, that time, yeah. you see that deer. You know what I mean? But, but, uh, it, but seeing them, you know, 80, 100, grunting them in, they come down wind, you know, and stuff don't work out, stuff like that. That happens a lot, which I know in the South, it's a struggle for you, for a lot of guys. I know you got big deer, but. I feel like a lot of people go on podcasts and they don't tell the obvious of the North has bigger deer than you guys Yeah, yeah. or more. I'm not going to say bigger deer, but more frequent deer. They act like they're a better hunter than people from the South because they kill more deer, but 
it's easier for us to kill a 140 class because they're more frequent. Right, right. You know what I mean? And I'm all about honesty on this podcast. I try to be as honest as I can be, and I feel like I say this a lot. If I went to Georgia and you said, here's a property, and I went out there, I don't feel like I could shoot a buck the first year I was on it. I would be so lost. And then you talk to some people on podcasts, you're like, oh, I'd shoot a buck. You know what I mean? It's just – that's just not me. Like, I feel like I – I might have a shot eventually when I figure it out, but I like I would be lost. Like, you know what I mean? Like, bro, I have a hard enough time shooting in the state uh, where I've been, living, yeah, living you know, forever I mean, and hunting. Yeah, you know? I, you know, I got a hard enough time shooting ten minutes away from my house. I um, I can't remember if they were talking about Missouri specifically or not. I I was listening to some biologists, um. They did a they do a podcast. It's, uh, his name's Bronson Strickland, and I've my listeners on here they know I've said it. I've mentioned this in several episodes, but they do a lot of really awesome work. And uh, he's a wildlife biologist at Mississippi State University, and they I, and I may be wrong. They may have been talking about Louisiana. But I I believe they were talking about average size of deer like in the Midwest versus south, southeast, southwest, northeast, you know. And I think they said the average size for a deer in, say, Iowa was like 136. And uh, that was like once they reached like four years old or something like that. And average size for like a four-year-old deer in the southeast was like in between 110 to 120 something like that um but they do i mean it is a fact that we do have big deer but like you said i think i think we do have less big deer yeah i I feel like you guys you guys definitely have big deer it's been showed on you know multiple videos on social media you guys have giant deer i just feel like they're harder to find. Yeah. Like if you go in my area and find a decent property and run a trail camera on it and don't have a one twenty class buck, like I'm I don't I don't know I don't know what you're doing. Like I feel like any property around here that has timber and ag and you run tra- like can you kill that deer? That's a different story. But to have him on camera and know that he's there, there's a hundred and ten, hundred and twenty class buck on every piece, I yeah. feel like. You know what I mean? Now, is there a 160 on every piece? Most definitely not. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a 120 is pretty easy to come by. A 128 is like, I mean, they're everywhere. <laughs> a 128, you know? three and a half year old. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much and he's going to be daylight and like a, a 120, a 120 inch eight pointer? Oh, oh man, yeah. that's like. Yeah. You're going to see him yeah. a couple times. He can. He's going to need a hoof transplant by the end of the Yeah, day. he's just going to be running nonstop. You're probably going to have about 82 daylight See, of him. I mean. And, and there, there's there's the proof there because 120-inch eight-pointer down here, that's a giant. And Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I feel like around here, I mean, or an 8 or a 10, 120-inch eight-pointer is pretty, like, standard yeah. running the meal. Yeah. Like, that's that's not a deer that – I'm probably going to shoot, yeah. you know, just because I'm. That would be a deer, but, like, do you want to shoot him with a bow or do you want to shoot him with a gun? Yeah. And I struggle to shoot a deer with a, you know, a hunt. I, I struggle to shoot a 140 every year 
Yeah. With a bow. Yeah. But I feel like a 128 or, you know, a 120 I'm like, you want to shoot it with a bow or you want to shoot it with a gun? Because, you know, we can pretty much probably get it done. Yeah. I mean, it, it, right. I mean it's not nothing wrong with anybody that shoots a 120. I mean, that's a great buck. You know I mean? It's just something that I'm not there at shooting those. You know what I mean? I let them grow another year and then you got a 140 on your right. hands or once i mean i've had them grow 40 inches in a year by sheds i have the proof you know what yeah I mean? so a 120 could blow into a 160 and um it just seems like the 120s are daylight you get a bunch of pics of them they're always moving and then that three to four transition they just something snaps in them we're like yeah. okay i'm a lot smarter i'm not moving and i'm not kidding you you can look at all our trail cam data for the last five years when October one hits, every buck is nocturnal. Like everyone, if you get a picture of a buck in daylight in October, early October, you're doing something for us. Mm. I mean, when you get if you get a cold front, all like the first cold front of October, if someone's coming to the Midwest to hunt, and they and they're in October, and there's a cold front in their hunting and it's the first one of the season your success just blew up yeah i don't know how many bucks we got morning evening doesn't matter everybody's like bucks don't move in the morning in october they don't but a cold front guaranteed that buck is going to be hitting a scrape he's going to be doing something yeah he's going to just they start filling their oats it's just like us that first cold front you're like okay you go through hunting stuff you're like i got this (laughs) many arrows this many broadheads you know you start feeling oh yeah you know yeah, I feel like I feel like that's the same. It's the same down here. Like we've got those deer too, those eight pointers. But instead of 120 inches, they're 100 inches. And I mean, you yeah. can find a hundred. You can find a hundred inch eight pointer anywhere down here. Every property is going to have one. Um, but it's also like you said. I mean, you were talking about. I can't remember what you said, but it reminded me. Um, you have to hunt your favorite property is different. You have to hunt it the way that you know to hunt it. Like with cold fronts, like down here, a cold front for y'all isn't the same as a cold front for us. Like if it's too much of a cold front, you ain't gonna see no deer. If it gets too cold, they, yeah, they won't, they'll actually lay down. Yeah. It's the same for up here is if, I mean, but it, you're talking negative, you know, yeah. We, we get days, we get negative, like negative 10. We get days like that. And if you go out like a morning hunt, nothing. But if you're on a feed field that they're hitting hard in the evening, you you might potentially see 10 or 15 deer, you know, maybe more. Yeah. Depends on what you got. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the number one thing, man. Just hunt the property like Boonertown last year. Neither of us killed a deer off that property. We had, I had opportunity to, um, homie seen some nice bucks, but I feel like it takes some time to figure out the property. And with just one year of trail cam data walking into it this season, we feel so much more confident. Uh, if I could drive anything home in this podcast is figure out what your property is, your individual bucks and run annual trail cam data. I mean, I, that stuff is so valuable. Like this year's stuff if a buck's daylight and cool, but we're running trail cams for next year. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Getting those picks and finding out what days they're coming in. You go back and hunt the next season during that time. It's 
it's a good chance that if that deer's still around or alive, he may do the same thing. Yeah, it's 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 that, and then it's also like, okay, I'm on this property. I maybe think that this is a rut funnel. I'm going to run a cam here. Okay, it is a rut funnel. Right. Now I know. Next year, it doesn't matter if it's that buck. I know the potential for a mature deer is going to come through this area because this is a – last year, this was a rut funnel. Or like me and homie, we figured out that the deer are traveling miles to the north to hunt a piece of timber – and two or three days, they're turning around and coming right back into our piece. Same bus. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a mile, a mile and a half where there's no timber north of us. And they're traveling up there for a couple of days and then coming back. And then I got buddies up there that are like, oh, yeah, I got that buck on trail cam only a couple of days. So I'm like, okay, he went two miles north, bred some does, turned around, came back. You know what I mean? So that's stuff that you could literally never find out if you didn't run trail cam. Right. It's impossible. So – we put a thing out on our social, you know, would not, would running trail cam, not running trail cameras change the way you hunt. And I feel like a lot of people were not very honest and I was straight up. I'm like, yeah, it would completely and utterly change everything I do. My whole season is based around trail cams. Everything I do. Yeah. I mean, if, if you didn't have trail cams, I know if, if I didn't, all, all I would do is just go out there and see it somewhere <laughs> yeah you, you just go there and yeah. sit in a pinch and well hopefully see a couple yeah of yeah yeah i mean you just I have no idea there's bucks in the area yeah one thing i i tell a lot of people you gotta you gotta be confident in your sit to be able to sit long and i feel like with trail cams you're like man i got two or three shooters in here you know maybe the last couple of weeks the potential to something to walk by is huge and just having that mentality in your head helps you sit longer and with me and homie we can't kill them on skill alone so we kill them on time and stand yeah that that's our tactic yeah one thing i'll say um which i was going to tell a quick story about what you were talking about you know how it takes a few years to figure out a property i i shot a buck last year six and a half year old deer um so that made him a trophy no matter what he no matter how big his rack was. And uh, he, like I was, I was getting pictures of the deer, didn't really know where it came from. And all of a sudden I was like, man, he's got to be bedding in this one spot. Cause we'd been hunting this property for so long. We knew that that was the bedding area. And so like, it was like, that's got to be where he's at. And then one day, all of a sudden, I was just like, there he is. I was sitting in the stand, wasn't even really prepared to see him. And all of a sudden, he just got up out of the one spot that I thought he was bedding in. And I only knew that because of previous years. Yeah, those previous years, you know, just like being out there hunting and seeing a deer, you know, like that. You can you can say, well, if this deer was bedding in this area – um, and we, we really dug into that. Like the people say they're going to be there within a day or two, yeah. which is hard to believe, but we really dug into that. We asked multiple people that question, bunch of research. And what we found out were well, the best answer that we got. I feel like was that the does go into heat around the same period every year. And that buck knows in that area that there's going to be a hot doe. 
Yeah. So in my mind, that's how I process it. Like the, the deer having a clock on his wrist, like some people say, <laughs> and he's going to be there. You know, he just knows to be there. He's just going to travel through this randomly. That doesn't make sense to me. But if like if I know there's a hot chick at the bar, and she normally goes there like 6 on Friday, yeah. I'm probably going to be there at 6 o'clock on Friday. Right. You know what I mean? <clears throat> that's how I picture it in my mind, uh, which makes it more believable than, well, he just – comes through this draw on November 7th every, you know, every year for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something else, but I forgot. Um, one thing, one thing I will say, maybe to jog your memory, but, uh, our podcast, uh, you guys can find it on all social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, on all social or on all pop, podcast platforms i think we're on what like 30 almost yeah we're um, out there <laughs> anyone you can possibly be on um iHeartRadio, podbean spotify anyways we try to really cater to everyone we do white tail mostly um but we like to have we have a lot of we tried we just had some east coast guys on tonight you know trying to get that side then we have some guys from the south on talking about the struggles down there. Um, some northern guys, some Michigan struggles, you know, uh, you know, the high number of deer hunters up there. And then we had the Midwest guys on that we really relate to. And like, um, we have a lot of guys that cover baiting and stuff that we can't do, which is cool. Um, we try to cater to everybody, try to keep it fun and light. And hopefully that you learn something. And even though this is our podcast and we've been spitting like some knowledge of what we do, take everything I say with a grain of salt because <laughs> I'm 27 now and I feel like I know very little about deer hunting. Like I'm the very beginnings of where I'm starting to understand the game a little bit. Um, I've had some success in killing deer, but I don't believe that success equals knowledge all the time. I feel like, I feel like some of my bucks were luck, straight up. Where I was there, I was hunting a spot that I thought potentially could be good, and there was a buck there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So when I when I kill a buck, like I go in there, I've only ever targeted a buck one time. Like I'm going in there to kill a buck on this area and actually kill that buck. Every other time I failed. I might kill that buck later on in the year, but I've been successful at targeting a buck and killing him, but. I don't feel like I'm – that's why we have guests on on our podcast. We don't spit a lot of knowledge because I don't feel like I'm at the point in my life where I can run a podcast and be like, all right, this is what you do, guys. You yeah. go out there. <laughs> you know, I, I can't do that. So, yeah, that was a quick rundown of uh, our, our – our, a little bit about our podcast where yeah. you can find it. Nice. And homie, homie has a lot of knowledge, acts like he don't. Um, has been pretty successful, has some solid, solid bucks down before I shot freeze. He had the biggest buck of all of me, all of us. So just like Cody said, it was, a not a random, but, um, a strategic spot where, um, deer were going into bedding and I was set up there yeah. and bug was chasing the doe. So done deal. Yeah. Um, uh, my brother had seen that, that deer two days before that and he said there's a mule deer out here I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> and then they say it oh he's like I, sh I shot the deer and he's like yeah 
that's the, that's the mule deer. Yeah, that's the mule deer. <laughs> so, uh, it's kind of a, a high and tight deer. I had a little split working and um, a mid one fifties class buck. Yeah, though. ended up in my favor about one fifties. So. Yeah, real nice buck. Nice. Well, you um, you jogged in my memory, um, and that Perfect. was it. Was actually it it kind of leads right into what you were talking about. Um, I was going to say when you were talking about using your cameras and stuff like that, like you got to be, you got to be ready though. That's one thing I'll say. And I'm not saying this cause I'm good at it. I'm saying this cause I made mistakes <laughs> and I wasn't prepared. Like you've got to be prepared. And when that, that just flows right into what you were saying. Cause I, yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a buck that I could have killed uh, last year, a couple of years ago, I can't remember, but we had cameras out, we had pictures of him, but, and he came in one morning, like first sit, first sit in that stand, boom, there he was, a giant, huge eight pointer. He was like 10 yards from me and I just didn't have my mind right. And he slipped away from me cause I was trying to get him on camera and he heard yeah. something, he heard me or whatever and looked up and then he was gone, but you just gotta be ready. Yeah, homie knows it. There's some oh, days right. that I don't, I won't go hunting. I just if it's if I'm worried about what my kids are doing or I got stuff going on with my wife, homie knows he was in the stand and he missed opportunity on a buck because he was his wife was about to go into labor. You know what I mean? Well, that's like, that's a pretty good excuse to miss one though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like his mind's on a completely different yeah. thing. You know, and he wanted to try to get. He didn't know his wife was going into labor. But if his wife wouldn't have texted him, hey, I'm going into labor, he would have been ready for that buck to come in and been prepared for that situation. So I'm huge on that. You have to – I don't care if it's 95 degrees. You got the wrong wind. If you go in there like, i just going to sit and hang out and text on my phone and, you know, everybody texts in the stand. I don't care who you are. But you got you to gotta look up every now yeah. and then. You oh, know yeah. I mean? But – you can't just go in there and be like, I'm not going to see nothing. You have to be able to go in there and feel confident in your sit. And when you feel confident, hunting's way more fun. Because I'm, I'm in a stand like, oh, Buck's going to go right there, 22-yard draw. You visualize. Yeah, shoot that pinch. He's going to have some kickers, splits and stuff, probably 170. You know, that's what I picture yeah. in my head. Never happens. Yeah. But Cause we, I'm prepared, you Yeah, because, I mean, we all do it. I don't know anybody that doesn't. Cause you sit, you're sitting in that stand for hours, so you always look to this one spot, and you're like, "Deer's gonna walk out right there." That's if something stopped there, it'd be yeah. money. That's and they never like, do. This is a, yeah. They always like walk three steps past that yeah. stop. You're like, "Oh, come on, man, this is perfect." <laughs> yeah. That. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm. I'm I'm always I'm texting homie all the time in the stand. What you seeing? What's going on? You know, trying to, but I I utilize my phone to stay in the stand longer. You know, I'm not playing games on it or something, but I'm I'm focusing on deer hunting and my phone. I think that's a huge key I use too. I I hunt, man. I put time in stand. That's what I'm good at. I'm not good at targeting and killing deer. I'm good at hunting smart, hunting the wind, and eventually. If you're in that stand long enough, you haven't spooked a deer, it will walk past you. <laughs> this takes time. Three years. It might take three years, but it happened. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Well, man, I guess I guess we could go ahead and start wrapping this up. I mean, unless y'all unless y'all oh, can think anything man. else. No, I appreciate you having us on. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I hope we were a little bit relatable to the South crowd. You know, I I could talk about shooting giant Midwest bucks all day long, but I I kind of wanted to target it to where it was an honest Midwest podcast because I feel like a lot of people come on here and they're like, well, the South is just the same as the North and you guys, but it's not. You know what I mean? I feel like we do have an advantage on you guys. Um and uh, one thing we like to do, if any of your listeners want to reach out, message us, Whitetail Legacy, send us a message. If you have any question, you're coming to the Midwest, you want to talk tactics or something. We're not very knowledgeable, but we can tell you what has worked for us in the past. You know what I mean? Um, together, added up, me and homie have a lot of inches on the ground. Individually, we're mediocre. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, but knowledge together, we're pretty decent. You know what I mean? So Heck yeah. um, we can bounce back and forth and, and help your listeners out. Or if they have some, we have a lot of listeners in the South that use our tactics and then they start using them. They're like, whoa, this is working. You know what I mean? Or So we always like to put that out there. A lot of people say that and then they don't message back. Um, we got a hundred percent success rate on a message. Yeah, I would say if you if you hit us up, we're Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We'll, we'll we're getting right back to you. We care about our following substantially. You are the reason we do this, and we hope that we brought some value to your listeners. Awesome, yeah. It gets me pumped right there. 